Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 252 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Joining me again this week, your friend and mine, the inimitable Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason Linden? I am doing okay, Chadwick. How are you today? I'm a little disappointed because usually you're pretty enthusiastic with your response to my ridiculous uh, intro. And this time you said you're doing okay. I would have expected that, given that the pitchers and catchers have reported to spring training, that you'd be over the moon about now. Come on, man. What's the deal? That's true. I should be over the moon. You're right. It is pitchers and catchers week. Baseball season has resumed. And, and, and... And it's upon us, and the Reds are going to win a thousand games this year. And yet, you're under the moon. It's true. Sorry, sorry. All right. Well, anyway, hey, I'll try to improve as we move along. No, I, I have no doubt that you will. Pitchers and catchers reported spring training. Goodyear, Arizona, this week, and that always sort of marks the end of winter and the beginning of spring. Although uh, the weather hasn't exactly cooperated with that in my location. But, uh, you know, it's it's the start of a season with as mi- much optimism. I think probably it's been six years since we had a spring where you really could feel this kind of optimism uh, b- before the Reds. And uh, for me personally, I'm, I'm incredibly excited about what we have in front of us. Do I think the Reds are going to be in the World Series? Not necessarily, no. Um, but I do think that it's going to be a, the most interesting season since at least 2013 and maybe since 2012. Is, is that a fair assessment of where we are in terms of expectations going into the season? I, I think that's absolutely fair, um, except for the part where the Reds aren't in the World Series. Yeah, what was I thinking when I said that? I don't know, man. I really don't know. Ludicrous. It was ludicrous, Jason. They're clearly going to be in the World Series. But uh, we'll address that later. I want to go ahead and talk about something that, that we, we talked a little bit before we came on air. And I thought, well, we're, we'll fit that in right before we do our viewer mail segment. But uh, now seems like a pretty good idea to go ahead and jump into that because you were talking a little bit about some of the projections that we've seen. And, you know, uh, every every one of these sites, fan graphs, baseball perspects, I mean, a bunch of them got a, they're different models. Right. Uh, yeah. And basically, it's mathematical. It's models, you know, and projection models on how they project each team to do. And it's been really fascinating to watch. I think the last time you were on, maybe, or the time before, we talked about how the Reds were projected to win, you know, 82 games by one of them, yeah. a winning yeah. record. And, whoa, you know, that's just the thought of that after what we've endured the last four years. It's kind of crazy. And uh, some more of those have continued to come out, and they've been fa- fascinating. Specifically, the projections about the National League Central have been fascinating, haven't they? Yeah, no, I mean, you know, a lot of the divisions, it's it, you know, there's always kind of a clear – are often kind of a clear leader. The AL Central would be a classic where there's Cleveland and then there's everybody else. Um, but the Central, nobody seems to know what to make of it. Um, I've seen numerous project projections. Uh, Dakota, I think, has the Brewers in first place. And I want to say it's one of the Fangraphs projections has them in last place. And Dakota has the Cubs in last place and the Fangraphs one has them in first place. And they both have the Reds at third, and it's one of those things where it's like no, no, basically nobody has any idea what's going to go on in the NL Central, except that it's an extraordinarily strong division, and correspondingly, it's going to be hard for any team in that division to win like a bunch of games because because of the unbalanced schedule. It's going to be really hard for somebody from the Central to win like a hundred games or something, whereas 
if you were to put them in, say, like the AL Central, for instance, um, you you know, one of the, those teams could easily be imagined to win 95 or 100 games. But it is going to be intriguing to watch what happens. Yeah, I think that uh, clearly everyone expects the teams in the National League Central Division to beat up on each other. But, uh, you know, to me, what's interesting is not that uh, one had the Cubs first and uh, one of them had the Cubs last or one of them had the Brewers first and one had the Brewers last. Uh, one, I think it was the Pocota one, had every team in the Central. What, what, I, what I'm seeing from this, this is sort of a big picture thing. Yeah. It, I think it was baseball prospectuses, uh, Pocota system, that had um, every team in the National League Central at 500 or better. Yeah, and so what you've really got here are five teams that are all uh, in some, uh, you know, all competitive in some way, and you know it doesn't take a couple things to go right or a couple things to go wrong for it to play out uh, any number of different ways. And one of those ways that it could play out is your Cincinnati Reds uh, having a real legitimate shot. Even the ones that have them in third place, which most of them have them around third place, they don't have yeah. the Reds, you know, four or five games out of first or something. In general, it's it's not like. I mean, everyone no. literally expects the Cincinnati Reds to be competitive in maybe the most competitive division in baseball, and I can't believe I'm saying that. It's it's amazing. This like you're right. The Central is remarkable because all of the projections, third place isn't even four or five games out. Last place is four or five right, games. Yeah. And it's it's one of those things where it's like part of me is kind of rooting for the whole NL Central to finish the season eighty four and seventy eight. To just like <laughs> right, blow yeah. up the playoff system. Oh, it'd be great. It'd be great. But then another part of me wants the Reds to finish eighty-five and seventy-seven, and then all the other guys can die yeah, in that scenario. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's. I mean, it's just. It's. It's something that uh, I, I think we're all sometimes accused of being overly optimistic here. Um, although someone on uh, uh, Twitter told me that he went back and listened to some of our older podcasts and said that. It was kind of funny how uh, up and down we were at times, uh, and I know that I'm sure that that, that has happened to us because it's been a rough four years for the Reds. But uh, I just—it's not just us being crazy optimistic. No, we have no, we have data to back us up now, Chad. <laughs> finally, finally, we're, we're not the so only ones who think this. We're not we're not being like, well, the projection systems all think the Reds will win twelve games, but <laughs> but we know better. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not that way, and so it's really fascinating to look at those uh, projections. And uh, oh, man, it really every time I see a new one and that has the Reds in the mix, it gets me uh, even more excited. And it, it it's really interesting the way that all these projections are shaking out because again, this is you know just something to talk about in the off season. It's not the actual games on the field, but yeah. one of the one of the arguments that I heard after last season, you and I were. And not just this past last season, but the year before, we were like, "Time for the Reds to go all in." They got to, they got to do something. And I, uh, I don't know who. I think maybe Steve uh, Mancuso at Relegation had the the phrase this week: "The Reds didn't go all in this off season, but they went in." I think that's a good way to put it. Um, yeah. They didn't really go all in, but uh, what it says to me was some people said, "Well, they shouldn't even think about going all in because this is a great division." You know, they got you know the Brewers and the Cubs, and you know, even if they go all in, they can still finish in last place. And yeah, that that could happen, but I think uh, it's a much more competitive division. It's going to be a much more competitive division than most people assumed. I think everybody thought the last couple of years that the Cubs are going to dominate this division, and it's not really worked out like that. Yeah, I, yeah, I think you're right. You know, I've been thinking though about the sort of in versus all in thing, and I just like it's true. I mean, they could finish in last or first, but what? I mean, what if they traded for Corey Kluber and signed like? Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. That's all in. But, I mean, 
they're they're the favorite then, not just in the central, but in the NL, right? Oh, I th- yeah, I think we're one trade. You have to trade a couple of your big guys and 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 one free agent signing from being a World Series contender. Yeah, I mean, if if you do those two things, you're the best team in the National League. I think so. I think so. Maybe maybe second to the Dodgers. The Dodgers are pretty pretty fierce. But again, you just have to be in that conversation because yeah. of the way the postseason is. It, and it's like you, you you could do it, Reds. I mean, heck, those you know, still Keuchel is still Keuchel and and. And Machado and Harper are still unsigned. Yeah, uh, amazingly, uh, which is a, a different uh, art, uh, discussion entirely. Oh. Yeah, no, they they could still go even further towards all in. Um, I don't anticipate that happening. I think one of our, our questions that we got from a, a listener is gonna we're gonna talk about that in later. But yeah. um, but I'm okay with them just being in right now. Yeah. Um, but I I can see it's not that difficult. One or two moves here would sort of change my opinion. Like, you know, we talked about they had to hash brown get the pitching this offseason. And I guess they technically did get the pitching. Yeah. Not technically. Yeah. They added some good pitchers to the staff. I'm happy about the guys they added. They yeah. could have, you know, I wanted them to get that one guy, the hammer. And they I, need, I need to see six weeks of Sonny Gray before I can. Yeah, he could be that guy. I agree. Render, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, pitchers and catchers reported they've started working out. It's uh, terribly exciting. David Bell's getting his first peek at the uh the players that he's going to have under his uh command this year and his 11-man coaching staff is out there it's just uh it's it's insane and uh, he seems optimistic and and there was a little bit of a uh a kerfuffle today on on twitter jason would you say it was a kerfuffle uh I'm, perhaps <laughs> david bell there's two two quotes i, I want to talk about with respect to one nick Sinzel. you know nick Sinzel. I am. I do know him. Yes. Um, you've spoken to Nick Senzel. I have on several occasions. Hey, yeah. If you see him again, we, we, we give him a hug for me. No. Oh, is that not professional? That would be inappropriate. Oh. oh, okay. I don't know him that well. Oh, well, I'm going to hug him if I see him. Okay. Um, David Bell on his first impression. This is reported by C. Trent Rosecrans and the other, the other beat guys got it too, but this is, I'm just looking at his tweet. Uh, Trent uh, has quotes David Bell, that's the Reds manager, David Bell, on his first impressions of Nick Senzel in center field. The quote, this is more than possible. To which our, our friend Mary Beth Ellis, who's a, a talented writer at RedLegNation.com, uh, responded, hashtag more than possible. That's going to become the rallying cry this year. Hashtag it's more than possible. It's not a bad slogan. <laughs> it's not bad. More than possible. It's been as bad as the Reds have been. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some other news about Senzel I want to talk in a moment, but what, what are your thoughts about that? More than possible. If Nick Senzel can play center field, and we, it's something we talked about with, with the thought of him last year at shortstop. Yeah. It changes a lot of things because it's it, it takes a hole and it's no longer a hole. And this lineup, you know, we're wondering where are we, where are we going to see Senzel. If he can legitimately cover center field yeah. um, competently, oh my goodness, it just makes things so much easier for right now. And that doesn't I mean, mean that he won't be second base long term. Right, but it gives him a spot. It's it's important to be clear that there there really aren't we don't really have a danger of actually a real legit offensive hole on the team. It's just that there's a defensive hole in center field. True, true. Um, though, also I would say, frankly, that I I would expect Nick Senzel to probably be the fourth best hitter on this fourth or fifth best hitter on this team. That's crazy. Yeah, I would think. But I mean, you know, he's he's going to be better. I, I, he'll be a better hitter than Shebler. He'll be a better hitter than Kemp. 
the Winker Puig, I don't know. I feel like Senzel, Winker, Puig are all going to be in kind of the same area, but with different talents uh, with, with the bat. Um, but Senzel can hit. I mean, do not doubt that he can hit sports fans. Um, He'd hit yeah. better if you gave him a hug before every game. Well, we'll see. <laughs> um, but it's no, it's Valentine's plays, Day, Jason. If he can, if he can play center field for a year, that would be fantastic. Uh, I think you know. I kind of feel like with the way things went this off season, that I, I, I really, I just have a feeling basically that the Reds are going to push Trammell. I think they have an eye on Trammell as an opening day center fielder or early season center fielder next year. Um, cause I think, you know, if Scooter were going to be extended, he would have been extended. So I think that they're looking at Senzel as an outfield placeholder for one year and then slide him to second base. That brings up a viewer mail question. We had hashed Brown viewer mail from Drew Dole on Twitter. You can tweet us at red leg radio with your, uh, hashed hash Brown viewer mail questions. Oh, no, that's a hashtag. Um, his question is if Senzel can't cut it in center field, do the Reds finally push one of their prospects and bring up Taylor Trammell this year? Just to, since you went th- that area, I wanted to see what yeah. you thought about that question. I, the answer is no, right? Yeah, I mean, no. I mean, I, I suppose there are scenarios where he gets like a September call up, but I don't think it's likely. Um, I would have liked to seen Trammell uh, finish the season last year in Double A. Yeah, start I, this I, year in Double A. Um, yeah, and uh, maybe push him, to yeah, Triple A. Yeah. Push him to Louisville, and then the second half of the season, you know, maybe. Yeah, uh, you get him up in maybe September. Um, I suppose it's possible you could end up giving like Jose Siri a look. I'm not, I'm not as high on Jose Siri as a number of people are. Um, but I think, I think really what it's going to come down to, frankly, is your, it's, it's either the outfield construction is going to be weird because it's either going to include Nick Senzel, who is then starting every day, or if Nick Senzel is not an outfielder, it's going to be Philip Irvin, who is probably the fifth outfielder, but who also plays center field when they're in like Coors Field or whatever. Well, here's what I say see uh, about Senzel this year. I think he if he if he can handle center field, uh, I expect that he's going to be in center field three days a week. I expect he's going to be at second base one or two days a week, maybe third base here and there. I, I do think cool. that he's going to be more of a utility guy, unless he really just blows them away. In That's center, a fair point. In center field. There are going to be other spots they can get in, and they can get, you know, Shebler or, or Puig or whoever into center field and move some guys around. So and I don't there know. There's much positional flexibility from the other players. So that's, yeah. Yeah. And so, so I don't know that he has to be declared the starting center fielder for the Cincinnati Reds. Um, but if he can add that to his, uh, his mix of uh, talents, the ability to play center field, it really just opens up a lot more uh, plate appearances for him, a lot more opportunities to get in the lineup, I guess. Yeah, and I'm just like I'll I'll, I'll make a con- a confession to listeners. I am, with few exceptions, really bad at just in the abstract in the middle of the off season. Really bad at remembering who bats from which side of the plate. Like it just it's not it's not information that my brain retains, and I find myself looking it up a lot. Um, and so interestingly, you could field a lineup you know, against, say, a left-handed pitcher, right? Where you could have a, you could, you could bench, say, like, I, I can, I can talk with words, people. I promise I can. <laughs> you could, you could, you could give Scooter a day off against a tough lefty. And you could put Senzel 
at second for a day is what I'm saying. If you're going to start Senzel every day, then then that's a, that's a circumstance where I could I could see that being the case. Yes, and, and and you're basically just doing some mental gymnastics here to try to get Scooter out of the lineup. Let's be honest. <sighs> Chad. Nixon Zale, hashtag more than possible. Now, Dick Williams, you know, he's the Reds president of baseball operations. He, uh, he had a quote about Nixon Zale, and this is this is the one I really want to unpack a little bit because you and I have talked a lot about this particular um, item, and it's something where I've been very, very vocal about my thoughts. Um, Dick Williams about playing the service clock game on Nixon Zale, which, of course, means, you know, keeping him down for uh, two weeks and... Uh, getting that extra year uh, of team control. Dick Williams' answer it sounded like something that I would have told him to say. I anticipate putting the best team out there there that we can on opening day. I anticipate putting the best team out there that we can on opening day. So that makes it sound, I, I said on Twitter, I'm cautiously optimistic about it because I've been railing on the Reds. From day one, they need to have the best 25 players on the roster in Cincinnati. That's been my opinion, and I I know some people think it's illogical, and I can see there's a really good argument against it, but that's what I want. And really interesting to see Dick Williams say that. Yeah, I I agree fully, and I actually I have something that's going to be up on, on Red Leg Nation probably about the time of this podcast that, that addresses that. Um, but if, if you want, I can get on a minor high horse and make my argument as for why Nixon Zell should open the season with the Reds. Why don't you do that? Just make sure it's a, a, not, not really high, just sort of a medium height horse. No, it's just, an, well, it, I don't know. We'll see. You can, you can be your judge. Yes, so Yes, I can. She can. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good at that. So, one of the things that like, you know how sometimes something's bugging you and it just takes you a while to mentally articulate what's bugging you? I do know how that happens, Jason Lind. And so what finally just kind of hit me with this, I keep getting in arguments with people about, you know, you should put the best team on the field. and all, But you know what it really comes down to? When they're keeping these players down for two weeks or whatever, it's just, it's bad faith. Like, you have kids, I have kids. Like, if if my son were to, like, you know, whack my daughter with something and get into trouble for it. Not that they would ever do that because of course they're perfect angels who never experience conflict. Right. Exactly. And I would say, don't whack your sister with that. Right. And then he were to pick something else up and whack his sister with it. And I would be like, Hey, I just told you not to do that. And he was like, no, no, I, you told me not to whack her with that. (laughs) You know, I would have a problem with that. I, I can see that. And I and I and I feel like it's rational rational to have a problem with that. And I have a problem with major league teams playing this kind of game where, yeah, maybe they're not breaking the letter of the law or the policy or whatever, but they're certainly breaking the spirit of it. And just like, you know, let's be intellectually honest here about what's going on. And if I were a person, I don't know anybody who would be real thrilled with their boss manipulating things so that they got less, you know, that they got paid less. Yeah. You know, well, technically, no, nobody's going to be okay with that. And so, uh, you know what, let's just, how about we just are ethically honest with ourselves here. And we had a question on our viewer mail, hashtag viewer mail from West Virginia Redlegs at WV Redlegs. Do you think it is ethically wrong that teams can steal a year of high earnings off of potential stars by leaving them in AAA for a couple of weeks? Well, <laughs> I just stated my stance on that, I believe. You just so. made the case. Here, here are my yeah. thoughts. And let me see if I can unpack these in a way that uh, that uh, people can understand. 
Um, is it ethically wrong? Yeah, I think it's pretty clearly ethically wrong. Um, this is a billion dollar business. Does ethical ethics mean anything in big business? Often, very often, no. Um, with Nick Senzel, I think there's a very good uh, business argument to keep him down for two weeks. Go to Red Leg Nation. Look at uh, Steve Mancuso's uh, article today, um, or probably yesterday by the time you listen to this, um, about that. He's not wrong about anything he says. Okay, it, it makes a lot of sense to keep Nick Senzel down, but to me, it's it's cynical. To me, it is a guy that you hope is going to be the cornerstone of your franchise and you're playing games with him. He's a guy that if he works out the way that you expect him to work out, uh, he's going to be a guy that you're going to want to be around for a long time. So my opinion is, let's treat him like the special employee that we think he is. He's clearly one of the best 25 guys. Get him on the roster. And you know what? If it means we don't get that extra in, year on the end, well, you know, you've treated this guy right. Maybe yeah. maybe you can pay him for that year and a few years past that and pay him closer to what he's worth. Um, yes, I know the collective bargaining agreement is what it is, and that's another question WB Redlegs had was, are we going to see a strike uh, when it expires? And, and, and quite possibly, I don't know. I know it's they can do this, um, but I think it's wrong. And I, But to me, as a fan, it's wrong because you're telling me that we want to save a, 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 some of uh, Bob – uh, Castellini's dollars. Yeah. We want to get another cheap year out of him instead of paying right. him what he's worth. But to me, I'm a fan and okay, you can talk about money all you want and we have to talk about it because this is big business, but I want the Reds to have a good team on the field. And that means having Nixon Zell on the roster. And so the ethical concerns or whatever, you can make all these arguments and, and I think you can make good arguments both ways. And I think it's a completely legitimate argument to keep him down. I, I, I see that, but I want the best players the best 25 players at their disposal on the Reds roster for 162 games. I've watched them lose 90-plus games for four straight years, and I'm tired of it. I don't want to waste two more weeks. Is that short-sighted? Perhaps. But, uh, you know, I think the flip side is you're treating Sinzel well. And, and yeah. I'd make sure to, to let him know, you know, we didn't play games with you. Um, you know, we're, we got your best interest at heart. Now, that's a business, and he may have a better offer elsewhere later on, and it may not work out. But I think if you treat people that way in the long run – uh, it's going to work out. Okay. Yeah. That's that's my opinion. And just to just to build on that a little bit, or, or to give like sort of a, a, a supplementary example, nobody has a problem, and I, and I know, the players don't have a problem. Not really. I mean, I'm, you know, I know they're irritated by it at times with something like the Reds had with pitchers for the last few years, where a lot of guys are going back and forth because the Reds are trying to figure out who can stick and who can't. That's different. Yes. Right. And they all know that. They all know what the deal is up. They all know that if, if you go up there and you throw four shutouts in a row, they're not sending you down, right? But everybody knows that Nick Senzel is ready. Yeah. Nobody thinks otherwise. Last year, talking to Dick Schofield, the Bats manager, he said to me out loud, on the record, Nick Senzel is a major league player. Not he will be a major league player. He is one right now. Yeah. And let me tell He's you, right. I'm not yeah. Nick Senzel. If I were, I'd give you a hug. But Nick Senzel is going to go to uh, Louisville, if that's what the Reds do for two weeks. Yeah. And he's going to go to his little apartment or little hotel room or wherever he's staying in Louisville. Yeah. And, and if I were Nick Senzel, again, I'm not, I would be stewing. I would be seriously upset that I am a major leaguer and I'm playing in AAA. 
Yeah. And maybe he, maybe he doesn't have that uh, frame of mind. I don't know, but it would seriously upset me. I, of course I would have been upset and there were some indications he was a little upset about not being up last year when uh, yeah. Suarez got hurt early. Um, Cause he was clearly ready then. Um, well, and we, we had a discussion about that too. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. And that, 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 that was the point last year. If you talk about going to listen to our archives, you go listen to uh, the week after Suarez got hurt and they didn't call up Sinzel. I was pretty hot. I think yeah. you were pretty hot. Um, yeah. Well, because we had, uh, uh, Cliff Pennington and, and, and don't say the other guy. Cause he, went, cause he went to UVA and we don't want to say bad things about him. Wow. Whoa, whoa. Um, so anyway, Dick Williams gives me a little bit of, I'm a little encouraged by, I anticipate putting the best team out there that we can. Now somebody says, well, you know, he can, we can get to opening day and he can say, well, you know, he's not quite ready in center field. And so it wouldn't be the best team we could put together by having him on the roster. Uh, he needs some time, more time to get used to it. Baloney. Baloney. It's baloney. There is no scenario where Nick Senzel is not one of the best 25 players. Right. Really. Yeah. I mean, it's just. That scenario does not exist. So uh, it, we've talked a lot about the different direction and different focus that we've seen from the front office and management uh, since the last season ended. That would be a pretty good indication to me that they're going to do things differently. Again, and people are going to scream, you're giving up another year of control of him. And I'm like, okay, the Reds can sign him to a long-term contract. I'm sure he'd be willing to listen. That's the thing these days. You don't want to get the free agency anymore, evidently. Apparently, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm sure the Reds are going to be willing to offer him a long-term contract. They can get him, and they can pay, just, just pay him money what he's worth, you know. Again, it's not my money, but uh, I just want the Reds to have the best players. So, I fully, completely, utterly, and wholeheartedly agree. Finally. So that was the discussion on, on Twitter today. Also, uh, I, I will say that uh, I saw some news on Twitter from Andrew Baggerly. says, Johnny Cueto will start playing catch next week. In other news, he said his horse, the beloved Popeye, died because he ate poisonous grasshoppers. I opened up. Instagram yesterday, and I'm not a big Instagram guy, but I opened it up, and the first thing staring at me was Johnny Cueto's horse, the beloved Popeye, laying dead on the ground. It was horrifying. I'm never going back to Instagram ever again. <laughs> and Johnny Cueto's Instagram is normally <laughs> the reason Instagram was invented. That's true. He's he's pretty good at it, but that one was... He's no, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is like you just said that Johnny Bench was pretty good at catcher. <laughs> right, like, yeah. No, no, Johnny Cueto is the greatest at Instagram. He, there's no, no, no. It's well, just, it's, actually, it's goofy pictures and workout videos and food. I think there's somebody that's actually close to him in terms of being good at Instagram, and that's our, old, our new buddy. Sorry to say our old buddy, but he's our new buddy, Yasiel Puig. He is very good. He's delightful. Yeah. He's just delightful. Um, and he just seems so happy to be a major league baseball player. You know, he's a guy that just genuinely, I know we've talked about how uh, some old school guys are going to be upset when he flips his bat or whatever, but I'm not so sure about that. I think it's going to come across that how much he loves being uh, playing for the Reds. You know what I wonder sometimes, and I don't know, like, but we get these guys, or you know, we'll get them every once in a while. We'll get somebody in Cincinnati, like Matt Harvey or whoever, who just has like a reputation or whatever. And I just sometimes wonder, especially if they're coming from a big market, how much the media in that area is is kind of driving the reputation. Because yeah. I mean, know. I didn't necessarily want the Reds to sign Harvey, but he was perfectly fine. He didn't, you know, 
come across as like some clubhouse cancer or, you know, unable to focus on the game or whatever. And Puig has seemed like nothing but a delight, you know? And and Cincinnati's taken to him. Yeah. Clearly. Uh, Yeah. I I wonder, because we're not sort of in the, right in the middle of the the online uh, discussion for any of these other teams. So uh, fans may have loved Yasiel Puig out there and it may have been a sort of more media driven thing. I think that, uh, well, I don't know what everybody else is going to do, but I'm terribly excited to have him in a, in a red uniform, and I think he's just going to be fun to watch all season long. Um, all right, news from spring training. Before we answer a few viewer mail questions, let's uh, see. We had some news. Uh, Kirk Casale is going to be on time for the season, according to Bell, uh, but he's going to be a little delayed for spring training games. He had left hip surgery to repair his labrum. Kirk Casale, Reds backup catcher. Um, since the Reds were not able to acquire JT Rail Muto, because uh, right. is going to be kind of important. But then again, if he is not able to to be ready for opening day, it's going to be interesting because he doesn't have any uh, any options. So he'd have to be placed on waivers. Um, well, he'd have to be placed. He could be placed on the DL. No, like, that's true. That's true. He's well, coming off surgery. You don't have to place him on waivers. Well, just... but, but if he's going to be close to being ready by the time the season comes, I'm not sure you can. Maybe you can justify getting him on the. Uh, you can retroactive him. If what the what they do is they send him to minor league camp. He can't play in major league camp games, but he can play in minor league camp games. It's sort of basically part of a delayed rehab. Yeah, um, yeah. It'd be interesting to me to see if uh, that's an invitation for a guy like uh, Connor Joe. The Reds got him in the Rule Five draft. Connor Joe, who was announced this week, he's going to be working out at catcher, but he plays a bunch of different positions. Uh, and so uh, outfield, third base, uh, it'd be interesting to see if the Reds try to, because with that rule five pick, you got to keep him on the major league roster all year. Um, he's working on catcher. Um, it'd be interesting to see if the Reds use a, a, a roster spot on a guy like Connor Joe. Great name. Really interesting, too. Yeah, yeah, he can hit, too. Uh, if if pe- Well, I was going to say, if people have, have looked at his, his stats and he, it really seems like last year something just clicked. He kind of figured it out, yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm interested to see what happens there. And and my kind of official opinion is that if Connor Joe makes the team, then Nick Senzel is the starting center fielder. Mm, interesting. If Connor if if Connor Joe does not make the team, then it's because they feel the need to keep Philip Irvin, Irvin right. up as a defensive option. I just think Joe's interesting because you're right. He did it, something clicked. He kind of figured some things yeah. out last year with the bat, and he's also uh, competent, evidently, at a number of positions. So you could see him being the 25th guy on the roster and the keeping keeping him uh, all year long. And uh, yeah. and and plus, I just want to have a guy named Connor Joe on the roster. It really, it really is an excellent name. Yeah, Reds had a Rule Five draft pick uh, on their team all year. Uh, the last time they won the World Series, Jason, you remember that? Did you know who, that? Who was it? Tim Leana, relief pitcher Tim Leana. Really? Was a Rule 5 guy. Yeah. Ha! Uh, I didn't know they had the Rule 5 draft back then, but it's true. It's a true story. Um, other injury in, uh, injury concerns here. Right-handed pitcher Robert Stevenson, Bob Steve as he's known around these parts, has right shoulder inflammation. Bob Steve, also out of options. Right yeah, shoulder. Say, does he have right shoulder inflammation or does he have out of options inflammation? Well, that's what our buddy Wick Terrell on uh, Twitter.com, Wick Terrell of RedReporter.com. Now, listen, we're the Red Leg Nation radio. Uh, we're with RedLegNation.com, but RedReporter.com is a fantastic site as well. Um, Wick Terrell, who runs that joint, says uh, 
I thought this was a pretty good tweet. Robert Stevenson has right shoulder inflammation. Sounds a lot like Robert Stevenson doesn't have a shot at the active roster, but is also out of options. So what do we do? Um, yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, look, if, if he's, if he's, if he's hurt, first of all, if he really does have right shoulder inflammation, which he probably does. But, um, what that says is he's done. I mean, he's just done as a red because he, yeah. he's the guy that no options. He had to do something here. Well, and there is no place on the roster for him. Like the second they signed Zach Duke, that was it. Like, but there's, there's, the flip side is, see if you agree with this, there is zero chance he clears waivers. If, if, yeah, if they probably. try to send him down to the minors, he's got to clear waivers. And somebody, somebody's, gonna, yeah, somebody's yeah. Gonna, he, he's got too much talent. You've seen it. Yeah. That talent's still there. He throws the ball hard. Well, he throws the ball hard, and he can make the ball dance, too. Unfortunately, unfortunately yes. it's often outside of the strike zone. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's when the when when the Zach Duke thing went through, I was like, okay, that's it. There's, it's that was when I knew officially that that Robert Stevenson was done because the rotation is full with a couple of backups. There are six completely and utterly spoken for bullpen spots with a couple of other people who have much better claims to an additional spot than than Robert Stevenson does, and that's just like that's. You know, and if you missed it, the Reds signed left-handed reliever Zach Duke to a contract. Yeah, um, this week. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I hadn't put those two together, but that's probably the spot that Stevenson was going to have to claim. Or, you know, other than that, it's, it's the number five starter spot that he was going to have to take away from Anthony DiScofani, which is a long shot anyway. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, so you know what I did see. This is this is kind of a, a topic shift or whatever. Um, I think it was David Bell that I saw that had a quote about how impressed he was with Tyler Malley. Everyone that sees Tyler Malley is impressed with him. And I, well, I just like seeing, cause we've been in Tyler Malley's camp for, for a while yes. here. Yes. And, uh, and I really, I still really like, like him. I, I feel like, I mean, I feel it's obvious, but he should get some, uh, some starts whenever, you know, the Reds are going to need more than five starters. Yeah. I think he's the whenever first guy. There's an opportunity for, for a sixth starter. I really hope that it's him. And I'm, I'm really interested to see what he does. Yeah. You know, uh, people talk about how he sort of uh, flunked the end of the season last year in the big leagues. And he did. He struggled a little bit uh, later. He was great early. Um, yeah. But but uh, still, I am higher on Tyler Malley today than I was before last season. You know, just yeah. watching him in the majors last year. Yes, he struggled some. He's a young pitcher. That's what they do. But uh, I, I'm, I love that. I like to give that guy a hug, too. Buckeye yeah, hug everybody today. I'm a hugger. Uh, it's Valentine's Day, Jason. <laughs> I'm in the mood for love. Buckeye Joe Six to uh, move back around to. Well, before I get back around to Bob Steve, uh, Tyler Malley. Speaking of Instagram, got a great Instagram handle. Molly Boo's most wanted. <laughs> it's not bad. Not bad. Buckeye Joe Six on Twitter. Joey is his name. Says. Uh, hashtag viewer mail. I have a feeling that Bob Steve will be DFA'd, as designated for assignment, this spring and picked up by another team. If he goes to a team with a pitcher's ballpark, does he become a serviceable starter, or is his future bouncing around in minor league baseball? You mean to take this one, Jason, or you want it? You can. You can start. I think that. Uh, I think that at some point Bob Steve is going to be designated for assignment. Uh, I think either going to try to have to get him through waivers because I just don't see a spot on the on the roster for him, and I don't see how you carry him. 
on the roster, which hurts because he does still have that talent. So I think that he's going to end up somewhere else this year. Uh, and maybe it's a situation where they try to get him through ro- through waivers. They can't do it, and they work out some kind of a trade, uh, some nominal trade with a team um, for Stevenson. So, But I actually expect Stevenson's going to be with a different organization sooner rather than later. I would like to see them try to get something for him this offseason already, you know, without the, the, yeah. the, the crunch of a, of a waiver claim. Uh, staring you down but now but if he goes to a team with a pitcher's ballpark does he become a serviceable starter or is future bouncing around in MILB I don't know that it matters where he goes it's going to depend on what happens between his ears if he can figure it out there's no question in my mind that he has the stuff quote unquote stuff to be a solid you know a number three guy in the big leagues I, I mean I don't have any doubt whatsoever I wanted that to be with the Reds, and maybe just he's sort of one of these change of scenery guys. But I absolutely could see him. So I guess I'm really not answering the question. I could see him bouncing around up and down. I think he's going to be in in and around the major leagues, uh, AAA, bouncing back. I think he's going to be somewhere in baseball for the next seven, eight years. I mean, I don't think he's going away. But I'm just not sure he's ever going to get it uh, enough to where he's going to be able to really stick in the big leagues. Are, so I guess that's, I guess that's my answer. That you don't know if this young man is ever going to figure it out. As I was saying that, I was thinking about when Marty Brenneman <laughs> said that about Johnny Cueto. I don't know if this, <laughs> ever gonna, and, and Johnny Cueto, uh, RIP Popeye, uh, Cueto did figure it out. Yes. He did. I could hear myself yeah. saying that. I thank you for calling me on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. I don't think it matters where he pitches. What matters is if he learns to stop walking people. Yeah. And if he and, does, and kind of, you know, he's, he's given some quotes to the effect of basically not being interested in not walking people. Um, <laughs> Blows my and mind. so, yeah, that's what it comes down to. He's got to limit the walks. He's, he's walked five and two thirds batters per nine innings in the majors so far. And that's not getting it done. Yeah. You know, who doesn't walk people? Who doesn't walk people? Tyler Malley. Oh, that's so true. He has in the majors a little bit, but boy, did he not in the minors. He did in his shorts in the majors, but you know, Come on, you're, you're pitching against the best hitters in the world for the first time. Yeah, yeah, I assume he'll eventually figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, did you send uh, Joey Votto a Valentine today? No. Thank I you didn't. for walking into my life, Joey. <laughs> I saw that one. That was wonderful. The Reds had some good... Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> there there was one, I can't remember what Scooters said, but I, uh, I sent it to my wife. Uh, I texted it to her. And she sent me back, as she does at least once a day, she sent me back the emoji of uh, the woman uh, doing a, a palm in her face, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Only once a day? Well, no, that was just the first time. <laughs> her actually name in my uh, contacts is, I have her name and then the face palm emoji. Um, she rolls her eyes at me a lot. Can you imagine that? I can. <laughs> oh, come on. I got nobody on my side. All right. Quickly, I want to talk about it because uh, I've mentioned uh, Steve a couple times here already, and, and he, he's he been following the Reds' payroll um, this offseason. I want to get your quick take on this before we go into some viewer mail questions. Okay. Um, with Alex Wood winning his arbitration case against the Reds, he's going to yeah. be paid $9.65 million. Zach Duke was uh, signed for $2 million. So yeah. uh, the Reds' payroll at this time – unless they sign more players, and we'll probably talk about that some, is at $121.6 million. Now, that's an increase of about $20 million over last year. So that's good. Yeah. That's good. The Reds promised us the highest payroll in Reds history. And if you look at uh, dollars as a static thing, 
121 is higher than 115 that they had back in 2015. But if you adjust for inflation, which I think you have to do, then yes. this payroll is only the third highest in Red's history behind 2014 and 2015. Um, at a time when the Reds, when all of Major League Baseball is uh, breaking records for revenue. So do we do we yell at them a little bit about promising us the highest payroll in, in Reds history and only maybe technically uh, living up to that promise? Yeah, I think we do. I think I think all of baseball needs to be yelled at right now, frankly. Um, you know, and it, again, a world where Keuchel, uh, Machado, and, and Harper are still out there. It's just it just it. it it boggles the mind. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think the Reds have more resources that I think they could have used. There seems to be kind of a league-wide freeze on free agent spending for right now for whatever reason. It's been going on for two years. Sign uh, Bryce Harper. Go sign yeah. Bryce Harper. I mean, sign Dallas Keuchel. No, no, no. Sign Bryce Harper and then sign yeah. Dallas Keuchel. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, we're kind of at a, an impasse. You've really got... Uh, probably enough guys have signed at this point that it's not like a great team, but you have a probably you could probably piece, piece together a team that with a reasonable shot at a 500 record out of unsigned free agents right now. Right. Yeah. I saw someone did that tried to do that and uh, the pitching yeah. wasn't that good, but it was a serviceable team. Yeah. But okay. But the pitching was better than the Reds had last year. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's not exactly saying much. I saw the, a, a beer league softball team playing over at the vacant lot uh, a few weeks ago. That's better than last year's Reds team. I'm. Let me try to thread this needle if I can. I'm very happy with the Reds off season. Okay, they've they've done a lot of good things. I mean, I'm really pleased with the direction right now. I really am, and I'm really pleased that the payroll is, uh, you know, is higher than the previous high just in terms of raw numbers. It's at 121.6, but I also, when I start thinking, okay, are the Reds serious here? I have to think that they're at 121.6. Last year, 2018, the median payroll in baseball was $139 million. So the Reds are still far below the median from last year. It's going to be higher this year. So um, I'm just uh, – <laughs> I'm – I'm frustrated that we're not closer to we're still this is still a below average payroll. Yeah. But the point that I saw made and I think this is uh the Reds could have increased salary a ton to get it up near the median this year. Maybe doing that over 2 years is smarter cuz you're going to get more bang for your buck. You know what I'm saying? Maybe. Maybe, but isn't that what everybody said last off season? Yeah. Like yeah. You know, it was like, oh, well, this crop, it's, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, you know, like all the people making the argument that the pitching crop is stronger next year. No, it's not. I mean, there's Chris Sale. I want Chris but Sale. But otherwise, it's not. It's the same. Jason, I want Chris Sale. I, oh, I do too. I mean, it, listen, if, if the Reds are saving money so that they can slide a piece of paper over to Chris Sale and ask him to write down a number and years that he thinks are fair. Back up the Brinks cool. truck. Yeah. I mean, think uh, about this. What if, what if they win 87 games this year? Maybe narrowly miss the playoffs, but 87 games. Maybe they sneak into the wild card, but even if they narrowly miss the playoffs, it's a team on the rise. That might be 
to a guy like Chris Sale, that might be uh, attractive. Yeah. I mean, I can see it. I don't know. Whatever. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but, um, but I could, I could see signing a guy like Keichel, although the reports of the Reds were suspicious about his medical reports. And I don't know, they've got more information than me. So I, you know, maybe we trust him on that. Maybe not. Um, they've made a lot of good decisions this, this, uh, winter. So I, I tend to trust them, but what if they signed Bryce Harper? I mean, really, we're, this is a pipe dream. They're not going to sign Bryce Harper. Yeah. But think about it. Even to a one-year deal. Why not? Well, but apparently Harper is not entertaining that. Yeah, I wouldn't either if I were him. I'll talk to that effect that he is not entertaining short-term deals. Okay. Sign him for seven years. Yeah. If you, I mean, I don't know what he's looking for. Maybe he's looking for... I feel like Machado. Everybody talks about Harper. I know the Reds are theoretically weaker in the outfield. But I like Machado better than Harper, personally. Oh, my gosh. Uh, the Paul Doherty's of the world will go nuts if we have Machado. Because once he didn't he didn't run a ball out to first base. Well, clearly, he's pure evil or something. <laughs> I agree. Uh, well, you know, in terms of marginal um, improvement for the Reds, how old's, how old's Machado? He's like 14, right? He's 26. Yeah, he's still young. Not as young yeah. as Bryce Harper. Right. But... Um, in terms of marginal improvement, you and I both like Jose Peraza, but if Machado, yeah. you slot him in at shortstop, he improves the Reds more um, than maybe you improve the Reds. But then again, the Reds don't have a lot of outfield options long-term necessarily. But you know what? Here, while we're in fantasy land, you want to watch me work some magic? <laughs> Do it, buddy. All right. You slot Machado in at short. You go ahead and find somewhere to send Scooter. You put Senzel at second. You put Jose Peraza in center field. Now that... Peraza's bat plays in center field, and you cannot tell me he wouldn't be a competent defensive center fielder. Above average. Yeah. The, the, guy's, the guy's got the athletic. Oh, my goodness. Oh, hold on. I'm sorry. I blacked out for a moment just thinking about that. Yeah, you just had to take a moment. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Okay, so I'm with you. I think I would sign Machado. But he's got to run hard to first base. <laughs> <laughs> just hit, man. Just hit like you've hit your whole career. That's all I'm yeah. asking. Um. So anyway, the Reds still a below average payroll, but it's up. So I don't know. They've technically, I think, uh, delivered on their promise, but it could have been so much more, and I don't expect it to be much more. Okay, I said that was the last thing before we get into viewer mail, and I I lied, Jason. You, you can't trust me really with anything I say. You are you are not, not trustworthy. It's true. We got to do this in quick, but I wanted to get your thoughts on this because uh, I love it. Uh, Jonah Carey at CBS Sports uh, listed Jesse Winker. You know Jesse Winker. I do know Jesse Winker. As one of uh, Carey's breakout difference makers of 2019. And here's the, the, the paragraph that I loved from, from Carey. He said, Winker could conceivably need a little time to regain the full measure of his power as his shoulder heals. Then again, he suffered shoulder injuries in the past and slugged his way through them anyway. Think of Winker as a kind of Shinsu Chu starter kit capable of racking up 100 walks, 40 doubles, and 15-plus homers if given 600-plus times at the dish. That makes him an absolutely ideal leadoff man in what could be a potent Reds lineup. And all of the uh, all of the projection systems have him 15 to 20 home runs projection here, so it's showing a little bit of pop. Um, so uh, I love that Shinsu Chu starter kit. What do you think about that? Oh, please. I, mean, I know, right? Frankly, I I think, you know, I've, I've never not been high on Jesse Winker in terms of the bat. Um, and and I, he's going to hit, you know. 
Yeah, defensively, uh, subpar maybe, but you got to give him 600 at-bats, don't you think? Yes, yes. He makes this team better. Oh, I love it. I love Jesse Winker. I'll be giving Jesse Winker a hug. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's go to some viewer mail questions. As always, these are actual letters from actual viewers. Hey, I have a question, Chad. Yes, let's hear it. Where is it that people can watch the podcast? Listen, I don't have time. We're running out of time here to answer that question. We'll do that next time, okay? Okay. These are actual letters from actual viewers from Stephen Offenbaker at S Offenbaker. And I got to say, Stephen, buddy, um, I love you. You've been a, a friend for a long time. Um, but I think I, you just broke my rule on Twitter uh, today. Uh, and you have to be muted. The rule is if you mention uh, the University of Maryland at Baltimore County in some kind of snide comment to me that uh, out of nowhere, you get muted on Twitter. Um, and I'm not going to say anything more than that. You violated that rule, Steve. But you don't reply to my tweets anymore. <laughs> oh, are you still on Twitter? I haven't seen any tweets from you in a while. <laughs> he asks, what percentage chance would you put on Matt Kemp being a member of the Reds on opening day? Steve, of course, uh, I just started a new uh, Reds podcast. You need to go check it out. I'm having trouble remembering. Reds Alert, I think, is the name of that. And I listened to the first episode. Pretty good stuff. Uh, go listen to that one. Um, what percentage chance you put on Matt Kent being a member of the Reds on opening day? I'm going to say 98%. I'm going to say 85%. And and that's just the percentage chance he's going to get dealt somehow, right? Yeah. 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 If if he's still with the Reds, he's on the roster. There's a non-zero chance he gets dealt. There's a non-zero chance he you know sprains his ankle or whatever. Hurt. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop down to about 92 percent because he's like 78 years old. He's probably gonna get hurt, so there's a, there's a yeah. chance. He's almost as old as we are. <laughs> almost, not quite. Or at least he's almost as old as I am. He's not almost as old as you are. Be- what what are you saying? What are you saying, Jason? <laughs> 34 in 23 at 334 in XXIII. That's a difficult. Uh, I love that he's a good follow on Twitter, but that's difficult. Um, asks um, if late show with David Letterman were still on the air, would you, uh, and this is uh, specifically uh, directed towards me, if late show with David Letterman were still on the air, would you rather that Joey Votto be a guest on the show following a Reds World Series victory? victory or for Dotson to be invited on the show to promote uh, his book. And that book, of course, is The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Cincinnati Reds. Buy it at all your local bookstores and online. Um, you want to take that one? Yeah. Okay, so we get, we've get we got to address the problem with the premise. <laughs> what's, the, um, what's the problem? Is that Chad's accent would prevent him from being understood by the vast majority of the American population. So he would never be on a prominent network television show. There he goes again. <laughs> when I was in college, I was on uh, WINA radio in Charlottesville, Virginia. And uh, I got to do uh, I, the first time I did the, I did a post game show for the basketball uh, game. I, they were, I don't remember they were playing early season game. And they let me do, uh, be one of the co-hosts of the post game show. And after it was over, the station owner called my boss and said, who was that guy? <laughs> he said, he said, I like having a guy with that kind of accent. It gives some flavor to the to the broadcast. So I got praised for my accent. You know. By the higher-ups. It's nice when people want to be nice. <laughs> I'm not one of those people. So the answer is, okay, if Late Show Dale Lemmer still on the air, would you rather Joey Votto be a guest on the show following a Reds World Series victory or for you to be invited on the show to promote my book? My answer is I would rather me be on the show uh, to promote the Big 50. 
because Joey Votto doesn't need to be on. I'm, I'm, I'm presuming the Reds are going to win the World Series in either scenario. So Joey Votto doesn't need to be on, and he wouldn't go on David Letterman. So the answer is the Big 50 needs to be promoted. Go buy it, by the way, if you haven't already. Um, let's see here. Vander at Vander1017 asks, hashtag viewer mail, if the option were available, would you want Votto to play out the rest of his career as a DH and maybe maybe move Winker to first base? Uh, no. No. First of all, I don't Joey want a DH. Votto is better defensively than Jesse Winker is defensively. If either of them is a DH, it's Winker. How underrated is Votto defensively? People... He he you had know, one bad year, but he's he's competent. Yeah, well, I think I think one of the things that's happened is the the advanced defensive metrics all come with a positional adjustment that really seriously docks players who are on the lower end of the defensive spectrum, and, and first base is the very bottom end of it. But compared uh, to first baseman, so yeah, so for a first baseman, Joey Votto is significantly above average if you look at at him at his like his fielding numbers, but he always has like negative defensive numbers because he plays first base. But as first baseman go, he's quite good. Yeah. Plus screw the DH. Yes. Also screw the DH. Yeah. Matt asks, hashtag viewer mail. What do you think are the chances of Luis Castillo making the all-star game? I think he's at 40% chance. My opinion, Matt, is that Luis Castillo is about 5% chance of making the All-Star team. And not because uh, I dislike Luis Castillo. It's just Johnny Cueto has made like one All-Star team. It's hard for a pitcher to make it. And and he's going to have to be great from the beginning of the season. There's a lot of pitchers. So um, I don't think it's necessarily a disappointment if he doesn't make it. But I think there is a non-insubstantial chance. I think he can make it. He's definitely going to have a good enough year. Well, not definitely, but I think he's definitely capable of having a good enough year. What do you think yeah. the chances are of Luis Castillo making the All-Star I think game? Luis Castillo will make an All-Star team. Yeah, just maybe not this year. Just maybe not this year. We'll see. I mean, he could come out if he is mm-hmm. what we saw, uh, you know, during during his first tour with the Reds, as it were. Then, then I think his chances go up significantly. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that, let's be honest, will depend on where the Reds are in the standings. Okay, rapid fire. I'm going to take this one. I'll give you the, the next one. Um, All right. From Jeff Walter at J. Aaron Walter, will the Reds add a center fielder from outside the organization, either as a starter or backup before opening day? Uh, I don't think so. I think they're going to uh, ride with either uh, Sinzel, and if Sinzel's not uh, going to do it, then Philip Urban. Do you agree with that? Yep. Okay. Um, here's for you. Uh, from Adam Gardner at AM Gardner 96 aside from Luis Alberto Bonilla, which former Reds player most deserves his own bobblehead night? You got an answer? This is an easy one. It's so obvious. I've got an answer. Let's see if it's the same one, if it's so obvious. Okay. Uh, Wayne Krinchecki. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, Jason. You're dead to me. (laughs) Uh, You're not just muted. You're now blocked on Twitter. The answer is Yasiel Puig. Oh, no, former Reds player. The question was former Reds player. Oh, you're you're right then. It's Wayne Krinchicki. Yeah, um, with, with that. <laughs> I, I threw you off your game, though. You threw me off. I like it. I got confused. Wayne Krinchicki. Um, mm-hmm. Philip Razor at PSR 1973. A little bit of an odd question. Since Jason is co-hosting this week, it seems like an excellent time to ask, when is Freak Base coming back? Oh, that seems like a shot at you, Jason. I can't tell if that's a shot at me or not. It's... As is so often the case with Phil, it just mostly sounds like nonsense. <laughs> you never really understand what he's saying. Um, Freak Bass will be back. Freak Bass, obviously, he does our uh, he he does the the sort of intro music 
and uh, an outro music to Red Leg Nation Radio. He's been a guest a couple times here. Um, the problem with bringing Freak, Freak Bass on is he really makes me feel bad because he loves comic book movies, and, and he really makes me feel bad because I say bad things about him, and he gets upset. <laughs> <laughs> Freak Bass, man, great uh, bass, uh, bass guitarist. You need to go watch him in, in, uh, live sometime. That guy's crazy. Love Freak Bass. Um, and also a avid listener of Red Leg Nation Radio when he's on the road. Um, let's see what we got here. Uh, Tony at Cincinnati Scout asks if Sinzel plays an average to above average defensive center fielder in 2019. Will he play the Keystone bag in 2020 and beyond? Seems like his bat has more value in center than it does at second. Um, hashtag viewer mail. I think probably he is second base in 2020 no matter what that's that's my opinion i mean i guess not no matter what there, there are circumstances that could change that but i i'm not sure i see him center field long term i guess it depends on what he shows this year but uh, i'd be surprised if that happened yeah no he's, he's a second baseman i agree and also i was able to just quickly look up the numbers and center fielders hit better than second baseman last year so oh, in terms of having a value bat at a position that doesn't normally have value bat uh, second base is the way to go. And Sinzel's also potentially a gold glove second baseman. Not quite yeah. sure he's going to be that in center field. Yeah. I've been, yeah. Um, at Mike Flick, Flick asks, if Virginia were to play Georgetown in the NCAA basketball championship game, for whom does uh, Dotson root for and why? That's his first question. And second question is, does hashtag Razor equal downloads? That's Phil Razor again. Well, I, you've got to take the first part, Chad, because I don't know the answer. Okay, well, well, you go ahead and answer the second one then. Does Razor equal downloads? I mean, I assume not. I, I kind yeah. of assume that every time we talk about him, our ratings go down. <laughs> the metrics reflect that. Every single time his name gets mentioned. That's how we do it, but yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, the metrics do not uh, establish the fact that Razor equals downloads. I think, as a matter of fact, it establishes quite the opposite. If Virginia were to play Georgetown, the NCAA basketball championship, Chip game for who do I whom do I root for? Okay, uh, and Virginia and Georgetown, um, they both for whatever reason gave me diplomas, so I I embarrass myself by following both of them on Twitter and have to answer questions all the time because uh, I'm talking about both of them. But I like them both. If they were to play, first of all, they're not going to play because Georgetown is uh, straight trash um, right now. They're getting better. They're certainly better this year than they were last year. Um, who do I root for? I root for neither. But I guarantee you this: I will be at the game. Okay, I will not. I can't root for either of them. I, I I don't like one more than the other, um, but I will be there to watch one of my one of my alma ma, alma mater alma maters alma's mater. Yeah, yeah. Can't, they gave me to. I don't know how to pluralize that. I'm 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 no help for you there, sir. Yeah, uh, but one of them's going to win the NCAA championship, so I'm going to be really happy. Um, Chris Brock at Chris Brock fifty seven, excluding current players, who is your all time favorite Reds player and why? Before Votto came into our lives, Sean Casey, Johnny Cueto, and Aaron Harang were my favorites. Uh, Brock, a little younger than me, I, I'm assuming here by that answer, but excluding current players, my all-time favorite Reds player is pretty close because uh, I've liked a bunch of different ones. You know, I loved Mario Soto, loved Tom Browning. Uh, I've liked a bunch of different guys over the years. My all-time favorite player is Barry Larkin, and why? Because Barry Larkin was amazing. He was incredible, and and and, and when I grew up. You know, I was really starting to become a big baseball fan about the time Barry Larkin emerged, and so I followed his whole career. That's Larkin, and he was incredible, Hall of Famer. But, man, Adam Dunn's a very close <laughs> second. I just loved everything about Adam Dunn. 
What about you? Excluding current players, all-time favorite Reds player, and why, Jason? Yeah, there. I think there are probably three that register for me. Um, my, my childhood favorite player was Chris Sabo. Yeah, Sabo I, was on my list too. Yeah, good call. Um, Larkin was he was really special, and I think for a lot of us, you know, I joke about your age, but you're not that much older than I am. I'm younger than but, you. You know, there, there came a time when when Larkin. Uh, that's not true, by the way. Chad is older than me. Um, <laughs> if you saw us in person, you'd know for sure. I'm younger. Uh, but, you know, Larkin was, was such a constant presence on the team for so long and such a great presence. Um, and that he, he's really special. But then kind of a latecomer for me, but who I just, we've talk, mentioned him already today. And I, but I still, he, he's the red I follow more than, the former red I follow more than anybody else is Johnny Cueto, who was just, I still feel like, even with whatever injuries he's had in hindsight, that if the Reds had kept him and signed him to an extension, there is a good chance that he becomes the greatest pitcher in Cincinnati Reds history. I think it's true. He's yeah. he's, he's underrated. Um, listen, in, in, in this book, you, you may have heard of it called The Big 50, we made the decision, Chris Garber, my co-author, and I made the decision, we had to include a chapter on Johnny Cueto because people don't really understand how special he was. Since 1950, there's an argument he's one of the top two Reds pitchers since 1950. Yeah, it's him and Riho. Him and Riho, yeah. I mean, you got guys like Maloney that are in the mix. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, people don't really understand how good Johnny Cueto was during his time with the Reds. So had a good, good time doing that chapter. So that's a good call. That's a good call. Also, you're older than me. Um, we had a couple of other good ones. I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to get to it. Woodrow, appreciate your question, but you're too negative. I can't can't, can't do that one um, right now. Jason, I think it's probably time to put uh, put a bow on this one. Any final final thoughts for our audience out here? In- uh, I, it is baseball season, everyone. It's exciting. Baseball. Yes. All right. Well, you can uh, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you go to at Nation or at Red Leg Radio on Twitter and at RedLegNation.com where we've been talking about the Reds every single day since uh, 2005. You can find the links there to subscribe to the podcast. However you get your podcast, we're there. If you're on iTunes or Apple Podcasts especially, I would appreciate if you leave us a rating or review. Five stars only, please. Uh, if you like us, talk about us. Tell your friends. That's the way people find out about us. Tell, tell your friends about us. Talk about us on Twitter. Talk about us on all your social media outlets. If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. Jason, buddy. As always, a good time. Always a pleasure, Chad. Jason Linden, at Jason Linden on Twitter. I'm at Dotson C. For Jason Linden and Wayne Krenchicki, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.